hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast. The podcast is just a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today's topic, impurity. But first, I am the A-game Adam Bailey, joined by Darren Cherry. We're just a couple of elders at Grassroots Church here in Lewisburg, West Virginia. Hi, Darren. What's up? Do you like how I cleaned up the intro a little bit there? You did, but how come you still get to be the A-game, but I'm no longer the main man? I don't know how you feel about it. I know how I feel about me being the A-game. I don't know how you feel about being the main man. Yeah, I don't care. All right, let me try that again. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast. The podcast is just a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today's topic, impurity. What is that? What? What is what? Impurity? Yeah, that's we're going to find that's out. That's a good question. He who is asking is my best friend, the main man himself, the lead elder of Grassroots Church, Darren Cherry, and little old me, just Adam Bailey. Why do you always call me the main man? I don't like that. You don't like the main <laughs> man? Stop it. Stop it. Cancel. <laughs> canceling everything. Hey, I've decided I'm going to cancel canceling. I, um, I'm on board. My new leadership perspective on small group, GSM, because I am so sick the past two years, mostly due to COVID, some due to weather and other circumstances. I'm just not canceling stuff anymore. If it's just me that shows up, it's just me. I'm done. I'm Agreed. done. I'm canceling, canceling in my life, main man. I like it. I'm, I've always been that way of, you know what, whoever shows up, rock and roll. Yeah, I'm done after last Sunday. Now, uh, y'all have to forgive me if I'm breathing heavy in the mic, <laughs> breathing hard. I lost. I, I feel like I lost a game. Two years running, and it finally got me. COVID. So, plus they've never seen the stairs here. Yeah. I that's mean, a big set of stairs. It's a pretty big set of stairs. You think I'd be skinnier? You are skinnier. I've How much weight have you lost? I have no idea. Oh, but do you feel skinnier? No. Do you ever feel skinny without getting on scale? Like, you wake up one day, it's like, man, I feel thinner. Or you wake up and it's like, oh, I feel junky today. But yeah, you, your weight's the same. Mainly, I, I don't get on the scale very often because weight fluctuates so much. Yeah, true that. Um, so what I measure by, and one is, by and large, I'm typically three notches into my belt. And it wasn't, it was sometime last year, I was dieting, exercising, I was doing good. I'd gotten to five notches. Oh, snap, five notches? Yeah, and so... How many notches are you on your belt? One, two, three. He is counting. I'm on four. I could okay. go five. I like I like baggier clothes though. I don't like yeah. You know, I get that. Like a little wiggle room. But typically, never know when I you're going to hear a good song. I I put <laughs> I pick a pair of jeans that I can't fit into and put them on. See how they you know how much I can or can't fit into them, and then give it a few weeks. And I'll go grab those jeans and put them on. And that is kind of how I tell. I don't do the, the scale thing. We were, we were talking about, you and I were talking about friends literally five seconds ago before we, well, literally like five minutes ago before we started recording. And I was randomly watching Friends the other day on TBS or whatever channel it's always on. Just flipped it over there real quick. So there's an episode whenever Rachel's pregnant. Spoiler alert. Um, but Joey wants to prove that he's still an eating champion and he wants to eat a whole turkey. And he's struggling. He's eating the turkey for the first time, but he's struggling. So he's like, oh, my pants are tied. I'll be back. He comes back like 20 minutes later into the show, and he just walks in wearing the weirdest pants ever. And Rachel's like, those are my maternity pants. He's like, no, these are my turkey pants. <laughs> so we, you just need a good pair of turkey pants. I watched the episode the other day when Chandler was sitting in a seat, and he got up to use the bathroom, and then Joey sat in that seat. Yeah, he got up. And Chandler comes back, and he was like, get out of my seat. And the fight became the seat. That's what the fight became. And then Joey, to get the last, like, score or whatever, goes to their apartment and puts on every piece of clothing Chandler Could I owns. be wearing any more clothes right now? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a good episode. That's whenever they're all trying to get out to go to um, – what is it, Ross? He Ross is uh, or something yeah, like that. His speech, or and he offends Rachel, and she comes out wearing pajamas. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yes, see that show's funny. And honestly, the the best part about the show in the earlier, to, well, early to mid seasons, whenever Chandler and Joey are roommates, that's the best friends dynamic right there. the The friendship between Joey and Chandler is just great. It's I, fun. I have we've talked about it. I've recently started watching through Seinfeld. I've never watched Seinfeld. <laughs> Good show. And then I've 
just started watching through Friends. And I've never watched Friends. Kelly watched it. Um, so she's watching that one with me. I'm watching Seinfeld by myself because she doesn't find it funny. And, and what I have found that I like about these shows, unlike recent shows, in those shows, there's no cell phones. And so wherever they are, they're in that moment. When they're hanging out, now there's phones involved. You know, they'll make a call, receive a call at their apartments or at work or something. Especially whenever Jerry's, it's his birthday and Elaine gets him a two, what is it called? A two-line phone so it can put people on hold, but Kramer gets him one anyway. It's good stuff. See, and, and that's what, it's just simple dynamics of friendships. It's simple dynamics. There's never, like, the high emotional points in Seinfeld are the most mundane things in everyday life. It's very simplistic. In Friends, they do tackle some issues, um, breakups and uh, divorce, infertility, you know, they do tackle some things, but it's it's so surrounded by, you know, like that episode we were just talking about. Ross just wants everybody out the door on time, and, and that's what they that's what Friends did so well. They talked about it in the reunion. They it's one of those situations where they put into words what I was previously thinking already. But Friends is at its heart a show about the time in everyone's life when your friends were your family. And you can see that. If you think about the episode we were talking about, very evident there. Yeah, but because I, but I'm they're like, the ones he invites. There's uh, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, it's like the third season or something like that. But they actually mention cell phones. Because if you're familiar with How I Met Your Mother, yeah. most of the show takes place at a bar. They're sitting at their booth in a bar. And they're always like hanging out and talking weird scenarios and stuff like that. Um, one episode starts out, you know, kids, rest in peace, Bob Saget. Daggone it. Yep. It's good. Um, it's like, Kids, this is what hanging out at the bar used to be like. Did he narrate that? Yeah, I did. I never realized. And this is what it became. And it, you know, went from like everyone just talking and hanging out, making jokes to four, five people at a booth looking down at their phones. That is sad. It is. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I was wanting to catch up with you on different media you've been consuming because I've been a little under the weather. <laughs> I have finished. I finished the Queen's Gambit. Eh, Entertaining. Eh. Stephen King was all over. I do. I follow Stephen King on Twitter, nerd, and he was talking last year about how it was the best show he watched all year. I disagree. It's cool. I mean, chess, cool. Um, character, I don't know. It was, it was fine. And uh, I also binge watched uh, Archive eighty one. Kelly's watching that. I couldn't get into it. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, it's not. It's boring I, to me. It, it to has me so much potential. Um, it had potential. But that's pretty much been it. And I, I've I'm been binge listening to books like crazy. So I did. I finished Dave Grohl's book. Awesome. Uh, it was called Storyteller. It's really good. If you all like music, especially if you like music of the '90s, mm-hmm. and Dave Grohl was you know the, he was in Nirvana. He's that dude from Nirvana. That guy from Nirvana. And? So all Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Crooked Vultures, some independent projects. He was a drummer for a short while with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Dude is awesome. Actually. I like the process behind artists and how they make art. It makes me appreciate their art so much more. Not a big Nirvana fan. I, I, I like a lot of Foo Fighter songs, but I would never say that they're a band that I like. But after reading his book, it's like, man, I really like him as an artist. And now Foo Fighters music, I've been listening to it. I've almost gone through their entire discography. It just changes my perspective on it. But anyway, read his book, um, reading a book about moon colonization. That's me, though. That's, that's you. That's me. It's interesting. I um, inspired by you. <clears throat> I went and borrowed from the library a book on CD by Stephen King called The Institute, which I don't think you've read. I've, I'm familiar with it, but I have not read or listened to it. And I, I ended up, I stopped listening. And and I and I I figured out why. I love shows like, and, and y'all can judge me or love me for these. It's cool. Um, Gilmore Girls. Uh, oh, well, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that. I just forgot. I repressed that. Yeah. Heart Shame of Dixie. Um, Psych. 
and then getting into shows like Seinfeld, Friends, and and I realize what I like about it is um, whether set in a small town, preferably I like the small town setting, but or city, um, it's around a close knit group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very tight, and and it deals on their dynamics. So I like that. And the institute starts off with this guy who gets into this small town actually gets into law enforcement in it. And I'm like, I could probably get into this. I like this. Um, but then it goes bigger than that. And it goes off the rails. Yeah. And and it it gets and it's Stephen King, so I'm not surprised not for everybody. that it went dark. I'm I'm personally not offended. And that's one issue I have when recommending books. I feel like if anyone listens to the podcast or knows me well enough, if they feel like they want to go read a Stephen King book, which again, be careful. It's not for everybody. I mean, there's some stuff in his books that are. I mean, it's just it's hard uh, to read through. I just finished. Oh yeah, I did finish another book. Um, man, what was it? What Stephen King book was it? I'll think about it here in a second. Uh, brain fog. But he he does he makes up characters and makes up a setting and then just lets them go. He never knows where the book is going to end. And that is such a you can tell in his writing too because you start out uh, Jerusalem's lot Salem's lot. It's like, oh, it's a haunted house. And so, you know, like 800 pages later, it's like, oh, my gosh, there are vampires everywhere. What happened? What happened to the haunted? But it's not for everybody, and it can be incredibly grotesque. But well, it's weird when someone, Adam likes this, let me go read it. Like, I feel like, y'all, it's too intimate almost. So there's a part of me that hesitates recommending anything ever. Well, and the reason I, I pulled away from it, it, it ended up, it, it doesn't get too graphic in the scene, but it gets descriptive in these people sneaking into a house, killing the parents, and then taking the kid. And and then it's basically about yeah, not for everybody. <laughs> that's what it's about is these kids that are at this institution. And I can see later on that guy that's gotten into law enforcement in the small town is going to end up engaged in that. And so I I think the perfect example, if you've ever watched Stranger Things, the first season, Kelly loves that show. Luke, our oldest, loves that show. And so I I watch it by default. Huge fan. Like it a lot. The first season I like. Never again. The second season. How many seasons are there? Three. Okay, second and third season. It gets more and more convoluted, and I lose interest. I like the tight, and that's why I'm reading right now another Longmire mystery. If you've never watched the show Longmire, uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, really good show. It gets a little bit intense at the end of last season, but... um. Small town, close-knit, follows the dynamics of the relationships. And so I'm reading another Longmire mystery book and um, and watching Seinfeld and Friends. We did find one that's really interesting right now on Netflix called The Imposters. And it's around, think Robin Hood. You get into this story of these people that basically scam artists and they take these people for all their money. But what you find out is the people they're scamming are bad people that have taken advantage of other people. So it's the Robin the Rich, Robin Hood type of thing. Like, yeah, they're scamming them, but they're bad people. And so following the dynamics of those relationships, that one's been interesting. Um, so we're going to see where that goes. But that's that's... That's the media I have been consuming here lately is that reading and uh, now and also reading. I don't know if you've been reading because you just finished it. Tim Keller's book on preaching. I'm reading it for a second time. I'm reading. I just started rereading that because apparently I have to talk about it on Saturday. Is that what? Nope. Not till March. The next elders meeting where we're going to talk about is in March. So you're, you're no worries. Welcome to the business section of the roundtable. Yeah. So you're clear. <laughs> but that book is so dynamic. So good. Mm-hmm. Um has challenged me to be more engaging in my teaching. I don't want to just give the facts like, here's what the Bible says and here's what we should know about it. But like, how does this affect us, inspire us, make us fall more in love with Jesus? You know, I'm, I'm really enjoying that book. Out of any of the other, out of any ministry book I've ever read, in my entire life. That was the most challenging because I've been preaching grassroots for five years. I was going to say four or five already. years. It's been a while. And I've, I've, I've preached a few smaller sermons here and there before that. But 
anyway, it's strange because I'm not new to it. So there's enough content that I preached on that I can basically criticize in a healthy way, criticize the way that that critique. Went. Yeah, yeah, because you got you've got to be able to grow, and I think that's one reason why people don't want to learn other things. Because if you open the door, like I need to learn more about something, you're going to have to admit you're wrong. So the process of learning something, you got to admit you're wrong. So it's super painful. I'm like, man, I could have done this better, this better, this better, this better. But now, once <laughs> once I humble myself, got over that, it's like. Because the last sermon I preached was heavily influenced by that Tim Keller book, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback about that. But that's the but thing. But now is, I'm excited. Like going forward, I'm like, ooh, now I get it. As you and I have, and Mark, as elders have have begun to read this book together, and we talked about the whole, you know, kind of that format of of head, heart, hands, you know, hearing feedback. Like we gave feedback to Mark from the last time he preached, and. Uh, been giving you feedback as you're preaching more now and hearing feedback on my sermon. Like, we all have this framework that we're giving feedback on now, and I've really enjoyed it hearing from you and Mark on my sermons where you're like, hey, here's, we saw the head, heart, hands, we saw this and this, but, you know, it kind of lost traction over here, you know, and and it's, I didn't land the plane, blah, 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 blah. That was you, not me. Um, Oh, wow. Dude, I'm sorry. Hey, the, I will, the, the second trip was fine. Will you ever have a better explanation for something missing? Because when you when we say land the plane, we mean like end the sermon with uh, applicable things. Oh, no, and, I was being literal. You know, no, <laughs> he literally did not land the plane. But but that land in the plane, you were like, I just ran out of notes. Yeah, like it's oh, like that was that. Will you ever have a better explanation? <laughs> like nothing. Like no. I think I think I, the building could catch on fire, and I'd be like, "All right, the building caught on fire. We had to leave before the sermon was done." Still, would not be as good to me as <laughs> I just ran out of notes. Look, <laughs> you got to be able to grow and challenge yourself. And I'm cool. I'm so humbled and honored to preach occasionally. Like, that alone to me, I, I can't believe. Like, I feel so many people, I think it's hard for Christians sometimes. It's challenging. Ask most Christians, most church-going involved Christians, like, eh, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Uh, you know, it's, it puts someone on the spot. I, I get to, several times a month, stand in front of, you know, what, 50 to 100 people? I don't know how many people are in line. Even with the podcast, I get to talk about the gospel. And I love it, so... There's that aspect to it, but it's challenging because it's like the you, know, you care about it so much and you want your message to connect and it's like you you care passionately about it and sometimes it doesn't actually a lot of the times whether it's how you're presenting it or your preparation sometimes it just doesn't land and that can be a little bit heartbreaking but at the core I get to preach the gospel did I land the plan no but hey you know I just ran out of notes I don't know something how excited are you to to dive into our judges, series. it works so. What we're talking about, like Stephen King, well, that went off to left field. Judges does that all over. It it's crazy. It's a zigzag. There, it's not a straight line narrative. It's like what just happened here. Judges one is a great example. We start in our judges series this coming Sunday. This this podcast is, will drop Monday, so it will have been, you know, the day before we'll have our first sermon in judges, and. It's very basic and repetitive. You know, they conquered these people. They didn't conquer these people. But there's a story right in the middle of the chapter that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the book where they caught... Samson. No, that's later on. Oh. Uh, they caught one of the kings of the lands that they uh, conquered. They cut off his thumbs and his big toes. <laughs> and they did it because... All the kings he had conquered before, he did that to them. And he said, he says something like, 70 kings I've done this to, and they've eaten scraps from my table. And his words, okay, this guy's not a child of God. He's a a pagan king. And his words are, God has repaid me for what I've done. And then it said, and they took him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Like, that's the account. And it's like, what are we getting into (laughs) in Judges? Hey, if you want to be a part of Covenant Community here at Grassroots Church, how do you feel about those big toes? <laughs> I mean, have you ever done that to somebody? Who, who has two thumbs and loves the gospel? Not me, because I don't have two Not thumbs. Not anybody here. But yeah, so Judges is going to be interesting. But That's great. It's one of my favorite uh, but I think, books of the Bible. I think you already said it, is 
without being able to be challenged, you know, to learn something new and to be willing to be like, I don't know. We were talking about that earlier while we were getting coffee at the Wild Bean. Um, I even think this series we're going through on this podcast where we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. and what is each one of those. But then also the things listed before, and I think we could easily look at the list and just go, that's a whole bunch of bad stuff. But we're like, no, no, what are these things? Yeah, what does it mean? Why, why is there a difference? Because uh, in a couple of weeks we have sensuality. But before that, today we're talking about impurity. What's the difference? Why do we... Well, we already covered sometimes? sexual immorality. And it's also one thing. New converts, the zeal they have for knowledge and like, you know, poor to me, I want to... Like, they don't have that dogma. Uh, mature believers, someone that's been involved in church a lot that knows scripture, like they know, they just know how to answer the Sunday school questions pretty much. The zeal they have for knowledge is like, why would I challenge my... Now, I'm not saying grassroots is like this. It is easier to be creative and pour into a new convert. It's kind of like Jesus, you know? Like, the faith, we should have faith like children, um, not, not grumpy old men, like I tend to be sometimes. And we, we've talked well, about we this before. It's not, be. it's not a... Ma- it's, it's a faith thing, not so much a maturity thing, but, you know, there's, there's Christians out there that are like, I want to be challenged, I want to learn more. It's easier to minister to them than it's like, well, I already know the answer, so let's hurry up this conversation. It's like, but stop. Let's, let's actually talk about this. And I think that's also a good indication of how much time someone spends in Scripture, too. Like, it's like, yeah, it's so hard to read. I mean, I've already read Romans. Yeah. yeah why would I go back and read it? It's like, for young converts, it's, like, yeah, I mean, I grew up and I knew these passages. Then I went back and reread them. Like, oh my gosh, they're so much richer and fuller. And, um, and I'm not bashing mature Christians. I'm just saying no, dogma no. can be a headache in ministry. I was telling somebody in our group last night at our house how I'm I'm trying again this preaching book, um, and then just as we're going into judges, I'm trying to study scripture in a different way. Um, because what I tend to do, and this is out of pure laziness, I tend to study a difficult passage until I go, oh, okay, I can accept that. And I stop there. And, and I can think ahead and go, well, if somebody asked this, I don't know how I'd answer or if somebody took it this direction, what would I say? But because I've come to a, an acceptable answer for myself, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to stop there. Instead of going further, challenging myself more. You're teaching to yourself yeah. instead of preaching to the congregation. Yep. Congregation is a congregation, man. Well, think about, think about when you're preparing a sermon. You know, unless something weird happens, that nobody in the crowd's going to stand up and go, hey, I got a question about that. They're just consuming. Mm-hmm. But if you're preparing for discussion at group where you know there's this freedom to go, hey, what about that? Or, hey, I disagree with that. You prepare different. And that's one thing from the Keller book. I've learned a lot. The whole point of preaching on a Sunday morning is preaching Jesus to God's people. How do Every single passage, how do you preach Jesus in this passage? My liberal arts background, which is heavily analytical, especially when it comes to media, it's, it's just what I do. Read something or watch something, break it apart, pull it apart, try to explain it, argue against it. Crush the, it, destroy it. And, oh. And that, <laughs> take that, Romans. <laughs> no, and now, you know, throughout the past few years, uh, especially after the, the Keller book, I've, I've gone from the interp- what do you call it? interpret, interpretation, observation, contextualized application, which is really all analysis ever, to, all right, now what is God's word trying to tell me? And what does that mean for Grassroots Church? Instead of, all right, <clears throat> here's this passage in Judges. What's the historical perspective? Who's the author? What's the Which legion? is all context. It is, but... Which is important. And that's the... Pro- like, you cannot hang too heavily on that. It's you like, can't. okay, cool. So a historical document. Where's Jesus in that? And I think more than <clears throat> ever before, within the past five years, just trying to change the over-analytical liberal arts side of me, which has proven me well sometimes... <laughs> So people, I, you know, people are like you're thinking too hard about something. I'm like, I can't not think hard about something. It's what I do. Um, just how do I preach Jesus in the Scripture? How, and yeah, it's pull. a it's a it's a beautiful spirit led art. Was it Spurgeon? <clears throat> Excuse me. I pick a passage of Scripture and make a beeline for the gospel, or be, make a beeline for the cross. I think that's what Spurgeon said. 
you know, whatever pastor scripture, I make a beeline for the cross. And, um, and there's a lot of guys that don't like that, but the truth of the Bible is it all points to Christ. Like everything in the Old Testament is pointing us towards Christ. Then the gospels hit and it's Christ. And then the rest of the New Testament points back to Christ. And so, and that's beautiful. So now, with that perspective, going back to Judges or reading Deuteronomy yes. or man, Numbers is a good, Numbers is a fun book too. It's like Judges parts of it. It's got Balaam parts. Yeah, parts of, of it. it. The other part is just a repetition from Deuteronomy. It where is they, hard. To <laughs> where it just reiterates everything that was just uh, in Deuteronomy. But now with that mindset, go to Judges and it's like, oh man, I never did a good job of seeing Jesus in this passage, seeing the gospel. So going out of your way to be led by the Spirit to see the gospel and all that. It's fun. It's invigorating. Yeah. May we never be satisfied with what we know right now. Amen. May we never be impure. Indeed. Hey, Darren. Yeah. Adam. A game. <laughs> so this this topic is strange. It uh, is. Work of the flesh. If anyone is unfamiliar with... Uh, this little mini, well, actually, it's not a mini series. It's going to be a big long. series. It's a big boy series. The series Flesh v. Buckle Spirit, up. going through the different fruits of the Spirit and comparing them, talking about them in light of works of the flesh, just going back and forth, talking about them all. Uh, we've talked about love. We talked about love again. <laughs> we talked about joy. We talked about sexual immorality. And thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Really, thank you for the feedback. We've gotten a lot too, of feedback. Because I was actually this. worried about the sexual immorality one. There was something else. I think like the past two, I'm like, kind of PG-13. I did there. put PG-13 on oh, the you title. tagged it. Okay. Which okay, real quick, have you gone and checked? Because because we recorded the love <clears throat> podcast, mm-hmm. and my mic cut out, mm-hmm. and so we re-recorded, and we called it real true love instead of true love is real true love. I went and looked. It's it's off of Spotify, and it's off of Castbox. Is it off of Apple Music? They took us off. No, no, that episode that I deleted, the true love that didn't record properly. You remember how we were like, it's still there. It I, disappeared I, from the other ones I after I deleted it. it. I have it, but I might have downloaded it. Okay. So it, it was probably just it's probably just on my phone. Okay. It did actually disappear. But yeah, uh, going back and forth from, from fruit of the spirit to works of the flesh. And we've always said fruit of the spirit is a supernatural work within a Christian, Christian, within a Christian's life to produce godly fruit. Love, Not peace, the same joy. as spiritual gifts. Correct. We're talking about, yes, works and character. These should be growing in all of us as children of God. But by default, we are physical beings living in the flesh. We have certain natural desires that are at war with the flesh. Natural desires that are bad versus spirit-led fruit, spirit-producing fruit. Which is what Galatians 5 is all about. When somebody's like, how do you know you're a child of God? And it's like, okay, this shows that the presence of God in your life by the Holy Spirit is giving you assurance that you're a child of God. Here's what a a life of somebody, as Paul put it, who is a slave to sin, these are the things that they're going to be popping up in their lives. These are the things that are going to be, you know, the fruit of their life. Whereas if the Holy Spirit's present in your life, then these are the things that should be showing up. And I was looking into it this morning. I woke up at 3 o'clock again. You want to know my secret to buying through Audible? It's not bad. Nobody's up. Oh, I know, but it's still dark. Dude, I hate getting up. Say <laughs> I, I I don't mind it at all. Matter of fact, around five o'clock I went down, had a cup of coffee. Um, you know what is happening right now, though, right? What is happening? Days are getting longer. Oh, I know. Any any bit of joy? I saw a little green patch in my yard. My yard's been snow covered for a month, and it really depresses me. It really is starting to get to me. I don't even have a seasonal anxiety disorder, or what was it called? SAD is it seasonal anxiety? What's it? Uh, you know, what I'm talking seasonal about. affective disorder. Season, thank you, yeah. seasonal affective disorder. My but, dad has that. But anyway, seeing snow melt and seeing green, well, kind of green, more brown than seeing anything. Grass. Seeing patches of grass, it's like, oh, there is. Dude, I, but like, we're already through January, worst month of the year. January is the worst month of the year. Now, we're on, we're on the up and up. A lot and, of good things coming up too. February short. And you know what's coming after February? March. And you know what happens during March? Basketball. Let's go! Which we're hitting up every... <laughs> our two-and-a-half-hour breakfast today, we uh, we made a lot of plans. 
Love it. Basketball is just fun. But hey, you know, when you when you wake up at three o'clock and you're just unable to go back to sleep when you wake up, like me, good time to look into stuff. And, and you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, R.C. Sproles has a lot of good content about flesh, spirit, fruits of the flesh, and I did find one lesson. I, it wasn't a sermon; it was more like a lesson. I don't know if he preached. Did like, he have a chalkboard? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is he? Is it preaching or is it teaching at that point? He I don't did know. pastor a church, but his ministry, by and large was, you know, Ligonier, mm-hmm. and so much of it was him doing those little classes, and and he would teach on these things. It's such good stuff. And a uh, little aside, little plug, because I do like R.C. Sproles. He has so much good content, and so eye-opening. If anyone, because we, we toss around the phrase reform tradition often, reform theology. Yeah. The best source for that, what is reform theology, just look it up on YouTube. He does a great job. He breaks down all the different aspects of it. So check it out if you want to understand. If you're a part of grassroots church and you have access through us and anybody can get it to Right Now Media, there's a series he did called Chosen by God on there, and it's it's really good too. But he was... Coming out of uh, Romans, I don't know if it, I don't remember is Romans four or Romans fourteen. There's only a row of Romans has fourteen chapters, but one or the other. Um, talking about <laughs> hashtag COVID brain, but uh, he, you know, was talking about the the flesh and the spirit, and he mentioned something. He goes back to Plato, and this is true. I did not think about this when we started the series, but there is this ideology out there that was big in the classical times and is still relevant today. That is that the flesh, your body, is at war with your Spirit, they're different. Your spirit needs to be released from your physical imprisonment. Have you ever heard anything like that? It's a very Plato-ish, um, yeah, but isn't that a philosophy? Isn't that Gnosticism? It could be a part of Gnosticism is hard to grasp. Like that is because I, I thought that's what the the Gnostics were. Everything physical is evil. Only okay. the spiritual is good. Pretty and much. So we are imprisoned. And and I I do want to the reason I mentioned that because it is important to. To note that I'm not, and I'm not an advocate of Gnosticism. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that the spirit is at war with the material at all, because Scripture does teach that the resurrection is physical and spiritual as well. Like spirit and flesh are not at odds. So you cannot read works of the flesh <clears throat> and just be like physical stuff, because envy is not physical. Okay, because Scripture so, does say the spirit is at war with the flesh, but you're not talking about... Your body is at war with your essence, yeah, pretty much. It's our sin nature referred to as the flesh. Right. And our our redemption and salvation in the Holy Spirit referred to... Okay, Exactly. Gotcha. Not at odds with each other there. Spirit, physical, they're not adamantly opposed. They're not dichotomous. Your, your lungs are not at war... With the Holy Spirit. I don't know, right now. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, <coughs> right now, the jury's out. I, I just want to make that disclaimer. Yeah, so you're saying our flesh is the, the terminology used for our sin nature. Yes. And then our spirit is the Holy Spirit indwelling us, changing us, marking us. Therefore, that sin nature and the Holy Spirit are... are and we, we, we hit a, a lot on... We hit this... I can't talk. We hit a lot on... We did What's mention that coffee several cup? times. <coughs> not enough. <laughs> whatever is in there, whatever it is, is not enough. <clears throat> Bartender, but another. You won't, we we will say, you know, sexual immorality, adultery. It's not just a physical act because Jesus clearly says in the Sermon on the Mount, it is yep. a spiritual thing. Envy, for example, is listed in a work of the flesh. Envy is not a physical thing. It drives you. The envy inside of you drives you to act in an envious way. And one example, he used vandalism. If you think about it, vandalism doesn't benefit anybody. It is a purely selfish sin. And envy comes from that. It's like, you have something that Mm. I don't have, um, so I'm going to vandalize it. Mm. Um, But Darren, my wife is calling, which is really weird. Do you want to say a few things to our wonderful listeners while I see if she's okay? Yeah, if she's calling at this time of day... So I don't know. It's all right. If you can hear him, it's okay. He's going to – he is making sure that his wife is okay, and he will be back in just a moment. But we are talking about impurity, and we are going to – I know we're going to get into <clears> – because you said it's a weird topic. Everything okay? Uh, yeah, she wanted to know if I 
have gone to the store yet because she has something she needs me to get. So real quick, and and this is uh, digging in very quickly to your relationship with your wife. She couldn't just text that? She said that's what she's going to do. Dare we talk on the phone? We uh, we like calling and talking and hanging out. Okay, see, I don't like talking on the phone. And I never have. And I did it before because it's all we have. But literally... Kelly and I'll just say, so if you guys actually like, you'd prefer the voice to voice, I'm down with that. Um, call me a listener. Seriously. If you're on your way home from work and you want someone to talk to, give me a call. He actually said Happy earlier to. that he loves that. Absolutely. Driving and talking to people or when someone is driving, they get bored. So, let, let me ride with you. So, Larry. Larry, we know you're listening to this on the way home. Hey, I talked to him the other day on his way home. Call. Call. Oh, Judy. Or apparently you're up early enough. Call on your way to work. <laughs> Did you, do you want a wake-up call? Grassroots? <laughs> But um, uh, impurity, what, like, like when you read sexual immorality, we can kind of instantly say, oh, okay, we know what that is. If we read murder, we can kind of go, well, I know what murder is. But we read impurity, and we go, oh, uh, I, I really need to bathe more. Which, real quick, <laughs> I've, I've got, <laughs> sorry, that's funny. Don't drink the dirty water. Like, I don't, like, impurity. Be careful what translation you use because uh, a couple weeks ago we put out a podcast about sexual immorality because according to most translations, most Bible translations, it just says sexual immorality. <laughs> the message, are you ready for this, Darren? Uh, no. Let me, okay, according to this, this is actually sexual immorality. It is repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. So real quick, let's just break that down. If it was once, then we're okay. Yeah. Because it's not repetitive. Cheap? I mean, what if... Oh, God. I'm just Finish saying. the statement. That's my problem. <laughs> Look, if you read the... Ma- it's better than no scripture, but... Oh, no, not by much. <laughs> I have to throw this out here because I'm trying to, like, grasp... What, is, what does scripture mean when it says impure? Yeah. Because in the Old Testament, you know, pigs are impure. You know? Don't touch yeah. them. Bacon, don't do that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> what the, the message says for, um, for impurity is, quote... A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. I guess that's what we mean by impurity. That that's Hebrew. Um, it, it is true. If you all have a chance, um, if it? you have Bible a chance Gateway. to never read the message, take that chance. <laughs> uh, Bible Gate. I don't know if it's Bible Gateway or uh, BLB. Blue Letter Bible, but you can actually type in a verse and it'll give you all the different translations like New American Standard, ESV, the uh, Bible Gateway does that. BLB also does it. BLB yeah. will give you the entomology. It'll give you the the history of the word, like where that word comes from. And I did that with BLB on the word impurity. Same here, because it seems to me um, a lot of translations will say impurity. Uh, New American Standard, ESV say that. Uh, new The NIV says uh, debauchery. And uncleanliness, debauchery, which I don't know anybody that uses the word debauchery in. Yeah, it's an outdated word, but I think it does like, better. It it explains. It really if you does. Know the word that it explains it well. Debauchery, so impurity, debauchery, uncleanliness, or a big stinking pile of mental and emotional garbage. Which we have to, again. You and I talked about you know the idea of context is good. If a Jewish person's reading impurity, they the easy thing for them to do is to go back to the Old Testament, like you said, where you don't er, eat hurt. You, <laughs> what you are you don't hurt certain things. You Did you drink your vitamin C? You don't sir? eat certain things. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about uh, the way they um, in in Jewish history, the way they buried people is there were family. Uh, what are they called, like sarcophagus, like a, like an above-ground grave. And they would put the bodies in there and put a stone over it. Catacomb? Catacomb, yeah. Like, and, and what would happen is they would wait for all of the things that will rot away to rot away, and then they would go back, get the bones, and then bury them somewhere else. And in the Old Testament, if you came in contact, court of law, if you came in contact with a a grave site, you know, one of those, you know, above ground structures, um, you had to stay outside of the camp, the city, you know, you had you were impure and you had to go through the cleansing. And so they would they would bleach these things white. 
so that they'd see him. Like they wanted him very noticeable. They didn't want you to touch him. And so I think the Jewish people could easily go, oh, this is what impurity is. But it's like, but we're not under that law anymore. But what does that law inform us on what impurity is? Right. So I uh, fornication was another one. So fornication, debauchery, impurity, uncleanliness, stinking pile of mental and emotional garbage, which is there is a, there is a certain level of truth. Like we were talking about Stephen King and stuff. Like there is some stuff in Stephen King where I've I've skipped over. Like I was watching a movie. I'm not going to say what movie. You know what movie? There's a certain cowboy movie out that has some certain really weird sexual undertones. I was like fast forwarding through it. It's like, uh, but there is this idea if if you do consume trash media, like that will affect the way that you think. Pornography, I think, is a yeah. classic example. And I, is there a resurgence of the fight against pornography? I don't know if. I mean, I, I haven't looked into it. I have not, like, Googled the detrimental effects of pornography or the psychological effects of pornography, but I have had several TikToks pop up uh, talking about, and I don't even know if they're faith-based or secular or watched, like, hey, heads up, pornography is bad. It makes you impatient. It's quick satisfaction and gratification. You abuse people and you don't even know it. It changed that type of impure media. If you just absorb it and dwell on it, that will affect your relationships. Yeah, uh, and I, the and just the way you view the world. I think the resurgence. I think <clears throat> the church is always a little bit behind on culture. Okay, meaning this: um, certain avenues of media become popular, and then the church catches up to that. And so I have seen on. Facebook, Instagram, and because of Instagram, TikTok. I don't have TikTok, um, or as my kids call it, TikTok. But uh, you see people now using those forms of media in order to get out. But also, as we dig further into mental health, psychological issues, things like that. Absolutely. The truth of the use of it's like, did you ever watch Mad Men? I did. I like Batman. Okay. I, I started to watch it, and I, for whatever reason, I quit watching it. I don't think I was like, I'm bored. This sucks. We Nothing did the like same it. thing. We quit. Yeah. And then after a while, it wrapped up, and I went back and binged like four seasons. Okay. So it it's it's obvious that it's, you know, if you watch it, it's about the tobacco industry. You know, not it's not about the tobacco industry, but the relationships of people that work, you know, there. And, and everybody smokes, and they actually make fun of how people think that smoking causes can because it hadn't been proven yet and and then you know now we see how many organizations are trying to convince people don't smoke because it can kill you it's it's kind of like that with pornography where people like this is harmless it's just entertainment it's for adults they can choose what they want but now we have decades of research proving this is very harmful and i have to i skip over so many trashy tiktoks that stinking algorithm, you're going through so many clips so quickly. It's just remembering you and remembering your tendencies. And I, I told Jesse, because I like TikTok for several reasons. Tom Brady's on there. He's fun. You get a lot of good recipes and a lot of just funny, random dudes. Just funny jokes. Uh, I'll tell you one. Can I tell you a joke, Darren? I, Listener, I are you ready love for a jokes. Joke? I gotta, I gotta bat I'll this give joke. you ten bucks if it actually makes me laugh. All right. You better deliver it well. <clears throat> Darren, you know the problem with uh, taking Baptist fishing? No, Adam, I don't know the problem with taking Baptist fishing. If you take just one, they'll drink all the beer. If you take more than one, they won't drink any beer. So it didn't make me laugh, what? but I see the... That's kind of funny. Anyway, I was like, that was, that was quirky. But a I lot of recipe, I, you know, just random stuff I see the like backstory to that, but uh, random stuff like that. But every, you know, you get trashy, like, dancing videos and stuff like that. And I don't watch them. I skim over them, but... If you linger on that for just one millisecond too long, you're just going to throw a whole bunch of similar videos out at you. Yep. And I told Jesse, he's like, I hope you like, look, I'm, I, I just want recipes. I want to know how to make these Hawaiian roll sliders and the sausage pasta. And that Baptist joke was funny. I told you before, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to get on Facebook today, and I'm going to put the challenge out there to the Facebook world to give me a stand-up comedian who's funny. I want to send you so much Norm Macdonald. Because I just, oh, I want to send you so much Norm. He I'll just died. Uh, tell you what to do. Uh, David Spade has a show on Comedy Central. It's really funny. It's just comedians. It's not political at all because they're like, we're just comedians. Why would we comment on politics? Thank you, David Spade. 
He actually, they got Jay Leno on there. He's hilarious. Um, anyway, just a bunch of comedians hanging out trying to make each other laugh. And when I say this, I mean, like, honestly, like, hey, like, do it. Good luck. I just, okay. comedians don't make me laugh. And it's, you know, okay, pet peeve here. Whenever somebody is watching something on TV and it makes them laugh and they turn and look at you to see if you're laughing, I don't like that. Or whenever someone's like, hey, look at this video. It's so funny. And it's like, I'm automatically not going to laugh. Yeah, I just, I, I don't. I get what you're saying. I love to laugh, and I don't know what makes me laugh, to be honest. Like, I, I do laugh. When's the last time you laughed really, really hard? I feel like you did something today where <laughs> it was, I don't think it was a very good thing. <laughs> you and I laughed earlier. I tell you right oh, now. Oh, it was about what we can get at uh, um, White Castle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So my thing is I have not so – last summer. Oh, gosh, it might have been the summer of 2020. I had a youth group reunion in Cincinnati. And we just got a hold of a bunch of people we were in youth group with. That was our circle of friends. I had friends at school, but I didn't hang out with them. I had my youth group. That's who I hung out with. I still keep in contact with them. And we sat around that table, and we had some great conversations, just people that I grew up with but never got to meet their their spouse, hearing how they met. So we had some good conversations. And our youth pastor, his honesty in a moment was just beautiful because he literally made the statement. He was like, I didn't know what I was doing as a youth pastor. And he looks around the table. He was like, I had church planters and pastors and all the, you know, and he's pointing at all the people. And he's like, he said, this is what God was raising up to the youth group. He goes, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just this honesty. And of course, we made a joke out of it. We're like, we finally got you to admit it. But but I have not laughed that hard for so long in such a long time. Like, I laughed that entire night, like, to where, like, by the end of the night, my stomach hurt and was just sore from laughing so much, from remembering things and people telling stories and everything. And so I, I don't know what makes me laugh. The stories from the past definitely do. Like, so much so that... Somebody would be sharing a story, and it would spark a memory, and I would look across the table at somebody, and they would look at me, and all we'd do is make eye contact, and we knew what we were thinking, the story, and we just bust out laughing. So I'm going to put the challenge out on Facebook. Make me laugh. See, the thing is, don't take this the wrong way. I just don't care if something I find funny, you don't find funny because you're your own guy. I will try to make if it if i think it's funny i'll tell you about it and like 99 percent of the time it doesn't really land um i think if someone lived with me for a while i'm more of a physical humor guy <laughs> um but yeah yeah be careful for the jokes you listen to too because they're man they're nasty speaking yeah. of um bob saget he was the raunchiest stand-up ever and it's which weird i think people who weren't yeah that's why people who didn't all they knew was for America's Funniest Home Videos and Full House. And they're just like, man, it's a family guy. And then you go listen to his stand-up, and you're like, uh-oh. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, so, yeah, impurity, debauchery. Is, and I do like the way the debauchery is worded. It is excessive, unacceptable sexual behavior. And that's a good way to put it. And, and I think this is a good litmus test. This is where I want to start winding down. Like I said, it's kind of hard to, like, what do I mean by impurity? It was different for a Jew back then. What does it mean for us now? Um, if you're a Christian and you're absorbing media or if you're engaged in a behavior, do you feel nasty afterwards? Mm. How many... I have... You know, talking about jokes, I have said some very bad things before. Right recently, in the past six months, like in our office, back when I was working at the hotel, be like, someone will say something that's really quiet, and I'm like, all right, let's see what happens here, and just throw out a really bad word, see if it... Oh, it didn't land, and the amount of... It's like, uh, that wasn't right. It was an impure gesture, an impure joke, coming from a bad place, trying to make people think in an impure way. Mm. Sexual immorality, we, we, we really define that pretty much in a general sense of sexual wrongness, mm. doing sex wrong <laughs> with the bad intention. Please go listen to the <laughs> podcast to find out what he means by that. Yep, absolutely. Um, impurity, to me, it, it's, it's that type of thinking. Uh, in Rome, is it Romans? No, Philippians 4. Whenever Paul you know, talks about these are the things we should think about. Think about what is good. Think about what is true. Think about what is honest. Think about what is pure. There's something to be said about engaging in just a good behavior, a through-and-through through good, beha- 
good action, excuse me, or watching just a good uh, show. You know, Friends, there's some stuff in Friends that's for adults, but it's not based upon that junk. Like, I don't think I've ever watched Friends and been like, I feel dirty. I've watched movies before at the end. I'm like, I feel really nasty. Stay away from that. We have the Holy Spirit, which is guiding us away from those things. If you have a guilty conscience afterwards, just stay away from that media, that thing, or that behavior. Uh, And if you have the Holy Spirit working within you, you will be able to differentiate that. If I'm trying to think of impurity and I want to go, that's the work of the flesh, I want to move towards the Spirit. You know, I want to. I, I don't want the work of the flesh. I want the work of the spirit. I, I would. I would tend to think. And tell me if you agree or disagree with this, because I'm really just kind of going off the cuff here. Um, I would tend to think instead of what is impure, what would be holiness? Because we are striving for holiness. We want to see the Holy Spirit work in us. Holiness and holiness mm-hmm. is the purity of who God is. His presence in our life and the purity of His presence in our life, then working that holiness in us. To me, I would think that's the opposite of the impurity is holiness. Now, I do know this is in Romans four. We were talking about this morning over our extended breakfast conversation. We humans, people, mankind, whatever, cannot achieve righteousness. It is, and the word that is used in Scripture is imputed. Jesus is the only man who is, was, is righteous. Because he was God. his righteousness is imputed, given to us. So we're Christians, this this idea of, oh, I have have abstained from all things impure, and I've achieved this level of righteousness. No, you're not, because your heart's still the same. Matter of fact, those works of the flesh Every Christian struggles with, because we're here on earth, and that's the way it is until Judgment Day, pretty much, and time after that. But to go with what you're talking about, that purity, that righteousness, it's just given to us by faith. And actually, in that same passage in Romans 4, it talks about Abraham and his circumcision. It's like the circumcision, say what you want about it, but it was his faith that was accounted to him as righteousness, which is... uh, very uplifting. It's like if I have any right, the righteousness that I have, the holiness of God that I bear, it was just given to me. I didn't achieve it, couldn't do it. But the holy, the holiness that you're talking about, the rightness that we're talking about, only comes from one source. You can't fabricate it. You just have to receive it. But that's why the gospel is called good news. Like God is not up there waiting for our, you know, fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Like, he's not waiting for those to outnumber the works of the flesh. Like, because he knows they'll never outnumber it. Because we can't achieve those. It's a fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God. Imputed to us is the righteousness and guiltlessness of Jesus. Imputed to Jesus on the cross was our sin and rebellion. And he absorbed it took the wrath of God and won the victory for us. That's why the gospel's good news. And so Christians, we are going to have this battle with the flesh, but we need to remember that it is that fancy word Christus victor. It is Christ the victorious. He has won the victory for you over that already. And we often live in the sin and shame of this impurity. Instead of recognize he's already won the victory, you know, let the Holy Spirit do the work. And it it adds so much more depth to life. I was thinking about um, <laughs> food. Hey, Darren, I was thinking about food. So while we're so talking about impurity, thing. I was thinking about food. Well, makes a little bit of sense because you can you can abuse any substance when food is up there as well. But our body needs food to live, and we are provided with food. It's our excessive nature that we get into some sinful territories, but think about like how awesome is it that there's this substance out there, this stuff out there, food that my body needs to make energy and I need it to live on, but God graciously gave me the sense of taste so I can enjoy it. So not only do I get what I need, I get to enjoy it. To his glory, all to his glory. Exactly, and I know that's... 
the impurity that we're talking about, again, sex is not wrong. It's not. It's good. It's a good gift. We it's what we do with it, it, and you can enjoy it. Yep. In the righteousness of Christ. So you want ultimate joy? Refer to the other podcast. Mm. You want to enjoy your food even more next time? You're really, really hungry, and you get the best food ever. Of course, thank the chef. But think about it. That that is a gift from God to you. It nourishes your body, and it's delicious. That's yep. cool. And and that's what I think the impurity. You know, kind of like you said, we are we define sexual immorality pretty like close laned. You know, we really pinpointed it. And I think impurity is a little bit more open, but still is pretty clear that it is anything that we're going to take and move away from God with. And 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 just think about that. So people we need need yeah need needs one way to think about it. we don't we don't need sex per se cuz you mentioned like food you need it to live yeah you know you can you can be celibate your entire life but outside of Christ like for a teenager to just be deeply engaged in porn and claim to be a christian and not repent of that, but to have that mindset of like, but I enjoy it, and I don't feel bad about it. It's, it's like, mm, that's a problem. Compared to when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it's like, I fell into temptation. I gave into it. I'm crushed. That guilt sucks. <laughs> but the flip side of that, God is good. He is forgiving. And as you said, Jesus paid the price for that iniquity. Claim it. And instead of beating yourself up, man, live, he gets the glory. And that's the thing. If the guilt leads us to repentance, mm-hmm. repentance is us recognizing our dependence on Christ, and that repentance leads us to to humbly fall before Christ. And, and my my life is in you. My forgiveness is in you. Then then we are led to a a Christ centered thing. But if that guilt leads us to you know, I'm I'm going to get rid of my phone and my laptop and, you know, I'm going to start a group with my church that fights against porn. You know, while those are good things, but if it's not, if the guilt and shame is not leading you to repentance, but leading you towards works, then then I would I would I would encourage you to look into where's your salvation based. And like you just said, to, to live in that freedom to, to not have the guilt, yeah. to be able to live guiltless. I mean, I don't know. It, it just makes me happy. It's like, thank you, God, that I can enjoy things that creation has to offer because of your goodness. Yeah. And the gifts are not greater than the, the giver. giver of the gifts. Yeah. It's just like I said, the gifter. food. The food that's awesome. I mean, I get to eat delicious food, and it's you know, pretty good for me. I mean, there's some impure things. You know the guilt you get when you eat too much? It's like, oh, yeah. ah, man. Probably shouldn't have done that. No. But it, but it is like the freedom of just we, because of Christ, have no guilt before God. He holds us blameless because of Christ. Not because I was able to achieve any. It's because of Christ. And, and so that impurity, listen, I'll wrap this, my, my end up at least. That impurity. Oh, I got, I got 45 more minutes of here content we go. here. I've got how many more icebreakers? Part two. Have you ever had these? The, the blue good. and red ones? They're, They're incredible. Good. It's too much sugar for me. Oh, yeah. For keto. Sorry. It's all right. Um, the impurity, listener, listen, it, it's not worth it. Everything that, that lends towards the impurity, you talk about pornography, temporary. It's only going to satisfy for a little bit. That addiction, it's only going to satisfy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That you said, even uh, vandalism. You said R.C. Sproul used that vandalism. You're gonna, you're gonna feel justified. You know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'm gonna use a crazy example because I saw a video of it yesterday. Guy caught his girlfriend cheating on him with another guy. They were at the mall together. So while they went into the mall, the guy went over and just wrecked this guy's car, scratched it, busted the headlights, spray painted all over it. And the other guy made a video and was like, you weren't dating, so she's not cheating. And that other guy, for a moment, feels justified. I got her back. I got the better of that guy. That feeling of justification is going to go away. 
he's not. He's still going to be hurt. Yeah, and then suddenly you're left. Oh, you're the jerk that wrecked someone's car. Yeah, well, and plus you're probably going to deal with the law. But, but it's this whole thing. All those things that lend toward impurity that lead us away from God are going to be temporary instead of the eternal satisfaction and who God is. That's what uh, C.S. Lewis says. You know when he got something, it for me. Yeah, it's like you said in 1944. Four, I believe it was. That's things, how advanced I am. Things that are not eternal will not be a part of eternity. But let us know, listener. Give us your feedback. If you have read some books you would recommend or some shows you want to throw away, music, let us know. GrassrootsWV.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hang out with us on Sunday morning. Good talk to you. See you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know all.